Kara Scannell, who's with us here, joining us as well, former Trump uh, White House Communications Director Anthony Scaramucci, Jeff Tubin, and Jessica remain with us. Kara, um, let's start out with you. What stood out to you? What else stood out in the courtroom? So, uh, you know, we saw Trump in the E. Jean Carroll trial where he was outspoken, he was disruptive to the courtroom. Today he was quiet. He was leaning back in his chair for most of the time and really paying attention to the attorneys who were speaking. What I also thought was interesting, you know, we talk a lot about how the attorneys perform for an audience of one. And I have seen in the cases I've been covering that the lawyers do tend to um, enhance their dramatic speaking before the judge when Trump is in the room. And after Todd Blanche had made his pitch to try to push back the trial date and lost, and they moved on to talk about jury selection and to talk about the trial schedule, the judge said, is there anything else you want to bring up? And at that point, Blanche looked over at Trump, who nodded at him, and then Blanche began saying he objects to everything that's happening in this courtroom. Trump shouldn't be here. This shouldn't happen in America. And then when Trump was leaving the courtroom, someone in the back row started clapping. And the court officer said, you know, quiet in the courtroom. But that is the first time I've seen someone publicly react in the courtroom to him in a way that was really audible. Mm. Anthony, I mean, do you think this, you know, he's saying this hurts him on the campaign trail. He has been able to make any court appearance into a campaign appearance. It, it really does hurt him, though, because it's killing him with the donors. Uh, the RNC, it's killing him with a large donor community. Because he, uh, he is also, fundraising off this with small donors. He is, but the, the incremental fundraising, he's now turning those lemon rinds into lemonade. It's very hard, Anderson. And so he knows that a path to the presidency requires way more money than he's currently raising. And so this does not help him at all. Moreover, he'll be in that courtroom for for two months. He makes no fundraising calls. If you talk to any of the big donors and uh, any of the big donors that talk to Ronna Romney and McDaniel, they don't want to give her any money. Uh, and so this is a disaster for the guy. Okay. Now he's been lucky. He's got the distraction going on in Georgia, but you know, Michael Cohen has been fairly thorough with the prosecution about exactly what happened. And let's not anybody forget Michael Cohen served jail time for what happened. And so, Michael so this, Cohen, is a big, this is a big case, and it's a big deal for Donald Trump. As a witness, though, Michael Cohen has a lot of problems. He does have a lot of problems. And, I mean, the prosecution, if they're smart, is going to front all those problems on their direct examination of him so it doesn't look like they're hiding anything from the jury and leaving it for cross-examination. And they're going to have to corroborate everything he says that's material. They're going to point to the documents showing the reimbursements, and they're going to need other witnesses, maybe David Pecker, who's going to be able to corroborate the purpose of those payments. Corroboration is going to be absolutely critical here. You know, I was in the courtroom too and I was struck by how shabby it is and how uh, you know there, there was a, there's a bulletin board right next to where Trump is and it, there's a little piece toward piece of paper that says you know what to do if there's a, uh, a, a mass shooting incident I mean that's that's the kind of courtroom this is exposed wires everywhere I mean this is a rough and tumble New York courtroom and he's going to trial and and you know that's not good for him they're going to be witnesses. He's not going to be able to grandstand. You know, he's not going to be able to try this case in the hallway like today. You know, it's just going to be witnesses. And it's not clear to me what his defense is other than, oh, it's all a lot of nonsense and Michael Cohen is a liar. I mean, the documents are the documents, and it's a tough case to defend. But, but there's the, the idea of the underlying crime here. I mean, he keeps saying all legal scholars look at this and say they don't even know what the crime here is. That, there's, there's the question of the case of, of what actually is the... It's, it's not the, the hush money per se. 
it, that there's an underlying it's crime. It's how those doc as how those payments were handled in the underlying paperwork. And he made the exact argument that you're implying that there's no crime here to the judge. And in an opinion issued today, the judge said, yes, it is a crime if the prosecution can prove it. Alvin so Bragg has actually brought up like three or four different options for what the crime is. Right. So it's primarily a legal argument uh, that he made to the judge and lost today about how this is not a crime. You can't essentially incorporate one of these theories into the crime of falsifying business records. And he lost on that. Now, he may prevail on, on appeal someday. That's possible. But now going forward, Alvin Bragg's going to have to persuade the jury that Trump falsified these business records in order to conceal or further another crime. There are three crimes that the judge has said Bragg can pursue before the jury. One is violation of federal election law. Another is violation of New York state election law. And the third is violation of New York tax law because of how these payments were made. Alvin Bragg was on radio recently, and he yeah. is sort of portraying this as an election yeah. interference case. That's the best now. framing of this case, I think, in terms of the significance of it. This was, these were payments that were made during the 2016 election where Trump allegedly was trying to cover up the affair with Stormy Daniels that she alleged because he thought that if the public knew about it, it would diminish his chances of but, succeeding as president. But the theory makes all kinds of sense that Bragg puts forward. It's not just during the election. The check to Stormy Daniels went on October 27th. You know, the week before the election. I mean, that's why he paid Trump's the money. Trump's argument has been, well, I didn't want my wife to find out about this, and therefore th this was made. Well, in the indictment, there's an allegation that you can tell that they spoke to a number of people on his campaign, and there is an allegation there that they were concerned about how this was playing with voters. And so that is how they're going to try to tie the two together to prove the case, because Bragg is trying to make this as the first election interference case in 2016 before the 2020. It would have really hurt him. You had the Access Hollywood tape on October 7th. You had that check on October 27th. If that came out the weekend prior to the campaign, he was already in trouble with Melania. He He's only offered like two apologies, I think, and one was to Melania over the October 7th fiasco. And so Mr. Bragg has a real point here about election interference. Uh, that would have. You think that's a strong case? Oh, I think it would have kerplunked him if that came out prior to the election, and that was the threat, and that was the hush money payment. Okay, that's the election interference that the professor's referencing. We're so inured to Trump scandals. You know, paying $130,000 to a porn star actually was probably a pretty big deal in October of 2016. Mm -hmm. Now we've talked about it for so many years, it seems like, you know, background noise. It was it would have been a very big what, deal. What in happens October. if he is found guilty of this? I mean, so as a first time offender, he's he may not get jail time, but the judge, you know, we'll see what comes in of this case. I mean, part of the theory is that this was a big um, catch and kill story, that this was what he was doing, um, it, not just Stormy Daniels, but also the Karen McDougal payment um, and others. But the, at the high end of this range, he could get one and a third to four years in prison. You know, it's it's going to be up to the judge to decide what he wants to do. But it, all, it all boils down to the judge. All boils down to the judge. The judge could give him probation. Can you see him actually? I don't. I don't see him ever going to jail. I mean, listen. You know. Uh, I, you know. Gerald Ford pardoned Richard Nixon. There was a firestorm after it. We don't want to jail these political opponents or adversaries. Do you think a conviction? I don't, I don't if he was convicted in the case, do you think it, it hurts him politically? I do think it hurts him politically. And Even remember, though people say this is like the the least you know impressive you, of the cases. I understand that, and let's say it doesn't hurt him with the hardcore twenty to twenty five percent. You got to get the independence, and you need the money. 
Anderson, you know this better than anybody. The money is the lucre of these campaigns. He can't find the money, and it's drying up. And by the way, the money's still going to Nikki Haley. I mean, there's one fundraiser after the next here in New York or in Silicon Valley. And how's, that, and how's people, she doing with all that money? Well, my only recommendation to her is you got to expand the market. You got to think like an entrepreneur. Don't don't challenge Trump. Go go find the non-voters like Barack Obama did in 2008 and invite them into the party because uh, you're not going to beat Donald Trump on his own home turf. Expand the party. I think that's the mis mistake that the adversaries of Donald Trump are making on the Republican side. Um, everyone, thanks. Appreciate it. Good to, good to have you here.